Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Welcome to Authentic Living. Today, we're, we're going to be talking about the whole issue of bargaining. You know, last Wednesday when we talked... I said we'd be talking about listening, and that is exactly what we're talking about today, listening to the self. Bargaining is something we do as a part of the the five stages of grief. Um, You know, Kubler-Ross taught us about the five stages of grief. They include denial, sorrow or depression, anger, bargaining, and finally acceptance. What I say is that bargaining is a stage of acceptance, period, We are moving toward acceptance with regard to every decision and every life event and every uh, body event, every mental event in our lives. We are always moving toward acceptance. Now, what I mean by acceptance isn't we're looking to get some kind of dull, um, bland kind of, oh, well, this is the way it is. That's settling. That's not acceptance. Acceptance is a rich embracing of life in all of its glory, both difficult and easy. And so when we're moving toward acceptance, what we're looking for is a place where we go, this is my life, and I embrace it. Okay? So in everything we do and say and think, we're moving toward acceptance. However, we also have these other stages where we don't really want things to be the way they are. So that's the denial stage. Um, And so we just say it's not. We say it's not really the way it is, and so in our minds it isn't. You've known people that have some difficult issue in their lives. Addiction is one of those where it's pretty easy to see that they're in a denial. They're not really accepting the fact that they have a major disorder that's really making their lives dysfunctional and harming family members, but that's a, they just don't seem to notice. That's not really the problem. That's denial. That's one phase. Another way to look at denial is when you've lost someone that you love to death, um, what happens very often is at first we really just we wake up in the morning going, oh, they're still here, but then we find out they're not. And so there's some part of the brain that's just not really there yet, sort of catching up. That's also denial. And so then we have um, our um, sorrow. Sorrow is where we're just really sad. Now, sorrow can lead to depression. It doesn't always have to, but it, it can lead to depression if we don't really deal with the sorrow. Sorrow is where we're crying. We're really sad. We feel that sadness almost physically. Um, and so we understand sorrow, anger. We get angry because life events don't go the way we want them to, and we're trying to get them to be the way we want them to be. Or we just carry around this sort of mild, low-grade frustration or irritation with us because life isn't what it should be, as in our opinion. And so we, anger is a stage of acceptance. And then bargaining. Bargaining is the one where we get stuck, and sometimes we get stuck in bargaining for an entire lifetime. We can start bargaining when we're little children and keep bargaining until we die if we choose. Bargaining is, is kind of like this. It says, if I, then you'll, or if you, then I'll, or if this, then that. There's always an if, and then, and then there's a then. 
So there's an if and a then in every bargain. If you say to yourself, well, if I do this, then that will happen. If I could just say the right magical word, my partner would stop being addicted. If I could just find that little word, and I'll just keep talking, you know, keep throwing words at them until finally I find that word, and they're going to go, oh, my God, that's it, I'm an addict. Yep, I need some help. The problem is those words are typically going in one ear and out the other because the addict is in denial, and the more we're talking, the less they're listening. So that's one example, and it's a fairly obvious one, one that we see on TV and uh, and one that we hear about daily in our lives because drug addiction and alcohol addiction is a major problem in our society. So it's real easy to see it from that perspective. But we can bargain with all kinds of things. We can bar- bar- excuse me, bargain with fear. For example, um, if I'm afraid of conflict, typically afraid of conflict, then my bargain will be if I just stay really quiet, no one will know that I'm even here or... If I just keep smiling, nobody's going to know that I really disagree with what's going on. So I won't be in a conflict. So what's happening with that bargaining is that I'm saying to myself, if I, then they'll. Now, it's possible that my bargain will look like it's really happening. In other words, if I say I will be quiet and no one will notice me, it's possible that no one will notice me, and then I'll get rewarded or so I think, or at least reinforce for for just being quiet. And so I'll continue to be quiet, and then, you know, nobody will notice me. Now, that could have two effects. One, it can turn me into a relatively passive person whereby all of my uh, difficult emotions go into my body and make me sick. I don't ever let them out. Nobody ever knows how I'm thinking or feeling. And so eventually I get sick. My body really begins to take that on. And certainly we don't want that to happen. The other thing that could happen is people could notice us anyway. They could begin to go, you know what, I'm tired of you sitting over there not saying anything. Come come forward with it. And we might get in a bigger problem because we haven't said anything. Um, we also might uh, uh, begin to be passive-aggressive so that we we're, we don't tell them what we're really thinking and feeling in the moment when the conflict could occur. But later we find some sarcastic way to sort of leak it out so that they they know we're mad. They may not even know why we're mad, but they know we're mad. And we think in our in our bargain, we say, well, if I do this, let this leak out in some kind of way, they're going to know what I mean. They're going to know that I'm mad. I've had so many clients come in and say to me, well, I said this sarcastic thing to him or her, and they should have known that I was mad, and they should have known why. Well, that's magical thinking. They probably don't know why. They may not have connected the dots at all between yesterday's upset in today's sarcastic comment but we think they do and so we're still bargaining and what's happening is no communication is going on i'm not getting express who i really am and they don't even recognize me if i come forward they're not going to recognize me because a i'm either being silent or i'm making some kind of passive aggressive comment or doing some kind of passive aggressive action that they may or may not understand so it isn't a, a healthy style of communication by any means but it is a bargain. And what does the bargain do for me? It makes me believe that I'm okay. It makes me believe that I don't really have to face my fear of conflict in that particular instance. So you see, the bargain is intended to keep me in an illusionary state in which I feel okay. 
feel being the operative word. You know, fear is a, a really interesting thing. I call it the F word because it really can dominate our lives, and we can be afraid in all kinds of ways we haven't really noticed before. A couple of weeks back, we did a radio show on fear, and I would encourage you to go back into the archives and check that out. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that in particular today, but I want to say that uh, fear is a real dominant force in our lives, and as such, we can make all kinds of bargains with fear. We can make all kinds of bargains with guilt. If I go ahead and do this thing that I really don't want to do, then later I won't have to feel guilty that I didn't do it. So um, somebody that I don't want to be with calls me up and says, come have dinner with me, and they've been pretty sad lately, so I really feel like I have to go have dinner with them, even though I've got stuff to do tonight and I really don't want to do it, but I'm going to go do it anyway because at least later I won't have to feel guilty. So what I'm doing is I'm letting fear control, I mean fear of guilt control my life so that it's, I give in to it and it says where I go, what I do, and how I live. That's bargaining. It's also bargaining away my soul. It's giving away my soul to the power of guilt. So we can bargain in all kinds of ways, from childhood all the way up through adulthood. Certainly parents can bargain with the whole idea of, of parenting, how, the many different ways that we parent. One of those chief ones is to, to try to control our children. We talked just briefly about that last week when we, we talked with Linda Wolf, the expert on uh, teen talking. And uh, one of the things we discovered at that point was that we really don't have any control over our children. We tell ourselves that we do. We, we, we say to ourselves that not only have we got control, but we should have control over our children. And if we don't have control over our children, we're bad parents. Now, when, when a lot of people hear what I'm saying right now, they tend to believe that what I'm saying is we should not discipline our children. That is not what I'm saying. I want to be real clear. What I am saying is that discipline needs to be a teaching mechanism. It takes more time, yes. It takes more energy, absolutely. It takes more love and compassion and listening and really being there present with our children to really be a good disciplinarian. But uh, it isn't. What discipline is not is controlling someone else. Discipline is not saying, I want you to go do this, and they go do it automatically. You see, we think we're good parents to the degree that we say, well, my kid does what I want him to do when I want him to do it. And yet, what I've found is that some of the kids that I've worked with, whether they're young children or adolescents, those kids that are the most controlled by their parents' agendas are the kids that are the most troubled. I'm not as worried about a teenager who rebels as I am about a teenager who doesn't ever say anything at all back to his parents or ever uh, respond in a way that's beyond what his parents want him or her to do. So those things are I, I'm concerned about because that child has no autonomy. There is no sense of themselves there. There's only what their parents want. That's of grave concern. So here's the deal. Parenting isn't all about controlling. Parenting is all about um, recognizing, first, that our children do not belong to us. They belong to themselves. Second, to recognize that if a child does respond to us in a positive manner, in other words, they do what we ask them to do, it's because they chose to do it. It's not because we made them do it. It's because they chose to do it. And we just fail to recognize that in our bargaining as parents. And so we bargain with control and we say to ourselves, 
I've got control if my child is behaving the way I want them to. And if they're not, I'm out of control. And we tell them, then we tell the kids, you're out of control. So that whole thing, we could go on and on about that whole issue of control, and perhaps we will talk about that some more on another show. But I really want to be clear about bargaining. So I'm going to move on from parenting right now and into the whole idea of relationship because that's what most of you are dealing with on a daily basis. You're dealing with primary relationship. That's a spouse a partnership, a significant other that you're in, engaged with on a daily basis, interacting with on a daily basis. But I wanted to make it clear, before you ever got into this relationship, you probably were already bargaining to some degree or another with your life. And so we want to be sure to uh, recognize that and see that, that bargaining is something we brought with us into the relationship, not something that we... Um, Brought, uh, just devised once we got in the relationship. So bargaining is a habitual pattern of behavior that we have uh, continued throughout time, throughout our lives, and we bring it with us into the relationship, particularly with regard to how we identify ourselves human beings. So we're going to talk some more about how we identify ourselves just briefly, and then we're going to talk about some of the very specific ways that we use bargaining in relationships. We'll be back in just a moment. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Create a life with growth, balance, abundant peace of mind, and joy. Tune in and call into Spirits Evolving with pragmatic psychic and certified hypnotherapist, Lee Channing. By using the simple tools for growth offered by Lee, including intuition, color awareness, creative visualization, and more, build a stronger understanding of your own energy and offer clear, unencumbered energy to those with whom you share your life. Whether for an individual or a business, home environment, or your office, Lee evaluates and interacts with the energy at hand, providing an analysis of the problem and a description of the options available to move forward successfully and with grace. Spirits Evolving with Lee Channing broadcast each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the 7th Wave Network, your online community for positive change. Spirits Evolving, your guide toward a life filled with more balance, intention, and contentment. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love.
your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. with Authentic Living. We're talking today about bargaining. This show is brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You know, we talked in the first uh, segment about control, the illusion of control in parenting. Well, it's also an illusion as we bring it into primary relationship. And one of the primary ways that we think we have control is we identify with something uh, put it on as a mask and costume and wear it, and then we engage with somebody who has a complementary uh, mask and costume, and we get involved with them, and we interact from the mask and costume. So we get in a dance, so to speak. I want you to try to imagine this. You're wearing a mask and costume. Your partner's wearing a mask and costume. And, and you are interacting from your mask and costume, and they are interacting from their mask and costume. So what we have on the dance floor is two masks and costumes dancing, okay? And each one of those masks and costumes is doing exactly what it has always done to try to make relationship go the way they think it's supposed to go. Now, it could be that one mask and costume is the scapegoat, it could be that the other is the blamer. It could be that one is the victim and the other is the uh, bully. It, I mean, those are some exaggerated examples, but you get the point, that they're interacting from the mask and costume. And so it's a way of maintaining the identity. I want to be clear. I talk a lot about this in the book, Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, which you can get on Amazon.com and several other places. Um, so I would encourage you to check that chapter out. And, and really understand how the identity works as a, as a sort of way of staying the same, keeping things from uh, going beyond or seemingly keeping things from going beyond the way we have always known them to be. And, of course, how we've always known them to be isn't always great. You know, we may have come from a situation in which we were abused as children and we marry a partner who abuses us, and because it's familiar, we understand it. And maybe the psyche is trying to work that stuff out so we can put it to rest once and for all, but instead what we do is we bargain. We say, if I can get this person to stop abusing me, then I can undo my childhood and say that perhaps that really didn't happen like I thought it did. Maybe mom and dad really did love me the way I really wanted them to, and now I've gotten this person to love me. The problem is we're mad, we, we've gotten involved with somebody who is abusive, and so guess what? They're going to abuse and so we're, we haven't really changed the dynamic any, but we bargain with it. You see, if I stay, then they'll correct my childhood. And that's a big bargain. So, okay, let's talk specifically about some of the primary bargains that we do in primary relationship. The first one is the one of responsibility. I hear this all the time in my, in my practice from both couples and individuals where one person is holding the other person in the relationship accountable 
for the first person's happiness. You are responsible for making me happy. You should have known that I wanted roses. Why didn't you bring me roses? You knew that I wanted them. How did how did they know when I asked? How did they know you wanted them? Well, they should just know that. Well, how are they going to know that? You've never said to them that you like roses, that you want roses, that ro- roses are romantic, that roses are comforting, that roses make you feel connected, whatever. You have never communicated that to them. Well, they should just know. Isn't that what love is about? Do you see what I'm saying? That's a bargain. It's a bargain with the uh, with lack of communication, and it's a bargain with responsibility. It says my partner is responsible for whether or not I'm happy. I want to have that glow, that feeling that you have in the morning after you had great sex with somebody you're madly in love with. I want to have that all the time, and my partner's supposed to give it to me. I'm not supposed to have to work for it. I'm not supposed to have to ask for it. They're just supposed to give it to me. Okay? That's a bargain. If I am silent and marry this person, they will just give me what I want, and I will be taken care of completely. Okay? The truth is, the truth, here we go, is that each person in every relationship is fully responsible for his or her own happiness, his or her own needs, his or her own appetites, his or her own compulsions, his or her own passions, goals, desires, feelings, understandings, body, mind, initiatives, spirit, the whole works. Each person in that relationship, regardless of the fact that they're in a relationship, is still 100% responsible for him or herself. Okay, That's the real truth. Now what I want to say, and I'm going to say this again before the end of the show, authenticity is the end of all bargains. When I say that I am responsible for my own happiness in relationship, that doesn't mean that I should be alone and never ask for what I want and sit around going, how come my partner doesn't love me and how come they don't ever, you know, bring me roses. It means that I'm responsible for seeing what it is that makes me delighted, uh, that makes me happy, that that makes me uh, feel connected to my partner, and I will initiate the activities to create that dynamic. Um, And I will also ask that my partner initiate activities that will create that dynamic. Now I've taken responsibility by asking. Does that mean that my partner will do it? No. Hopefully I've got a healthy partner that can communicate with me and that has relationship skills, and they'll go, oh, absolutely, I adore you and I want to give that to you. And they'll do it. But sometimes that's not the case, and sometimes they just can't do it. Perhaps they're out of town, or perhaps um, we we think that tennis means uh, playing tennis is a great way of being connected, but the partner just is not interested in tennis. You know, we might have to play tennis with somebody else, but we can find other ways to be connected with this particular person with whom we have invested a tremendous amount of our psychic, uh, intellectual, emotional, spiritual energy as a primary partner. So... We can bargain with that whole idea of responsibility. I don't want to belabor that point. We can also bargain with control in the same way that we can bargain with it as parents. We can say, if I uh, manipulate my partner, then they will do what I want them to do. That's a form of control. It can happen in all kinds of subtle and overt ways. One of the ways that I see very commonly is that um, you hint at what you want, don't really say it, um, and your partner's supposed to get it. And um, they're supposed to read between the lines and give you what you want. And if they don't, well, they've failed. 
And if they do, then you've controlled them. Either way, it's not really the truth. Authenticity is the end of all bargaining. And so if I get authentic, what I have to recognize is that I have absolutely zero control over another human being. Zero. All of my manipulations are just uh, a bunch of energy that I put into a game I play with myself. Whether or not my partner actually goes along with the game is all about my partner's choice, not about whether or not I'm really, really good at manipulating. I had a friend several years ago, uh, another therapist, who told me that she thought there was such a thing as good manipulation. I don't think there's any such thing as good manipulation. Of course, I told her that, so I'm not saying anything out of school here. But I don't think there's anything as, such, as, uh, such a thing as good manipulation. It implies that if I do something really nice, well, then that's okay. Well, you know, there's been a lot of people who thought they were doing things really nice, really good, really saving the world, and they really were harming people. So I don't believe there's any such thing as good manipulation. Manipulation is manipulation. It's a, a form of bargaining. It's a way of saying, if I, then you'll. That's a bargain, and we can't bargain and be authentic. Authenticity is the end of all bargaining. So, okay, we can bargain for material things. We can say, um, if I marry a rich man, he'll give me everything I want, or a rich woman, they'll give me everything I want. Um, We can bargain for security. We can say, uh, I'm supposed to be able to be very, very secure in my relationship, and so once I figure out that I don't really love my partner, maybe, I'm not going to leave because this is secure. If I stay, I'll always be secure. If I stay, then I'll always be secure. That's a bargain, and we sell our souls to the devil for those bargains many, many times because we're miserable, unhappy, irritating, and irritable people who are, end up being bitter. And life is, uh, as people say very often, life is short. It needs to be lived. And again, I'm 100% responsible for my happiness. I, if I lay that in somebody else's hands, then all I've done is reneged on my own responsibility. I have not made myself happy, nor how I have I really legitimately asked someone else to, because oftentimes they don't really even know that I'm asking them to do that in these bargains for security. We can bargain with the whole idea of love. We can do that in lots of ways. One of those is to say, if you love me, you will. Have you ever heard somebody say that to you? If they've said that to you, they are trying to manipulate you. If you said it to someone else, you're trying to manipulate them. So it, it isn't if you love me, you will. It's you love me, and you're going to do whatever you do with that. And it's either going to be satisfactory to me or it's not. But we don't want to know that because if we know that, we have to recognize the possibility that we might not be able to stay in a relationship with somebody who loves us but doesn't really love us the way we really legitimately need to be loved. Maybe they love us in a way that's just kind of blasé and they aren't really initiating in the relationship. Maybe they don't really even love us. Maybe they're calling something love that isn't love, and that's the second way we can bargain. We can call love all kinds of things. Many people call need, desperate need, love. Many people call possessiveness love. Many people call control love. Um, there's, there are many different ways to have feelings of great passion for another person, but they aren't really love. Sometimes they're lust. Sometimes they're need to control. Sometimes they are possessiveness. Uh, sometimes they are um, uh, just that, 
that clinging, desperate, I've got to have you or I will die sense of things, which probably is a combination of all the above. So love is not that. Love, and I'm going to try to define the undefinable here when I try to define love, but uh, love is a sense that of, of heightened awareness. Being in love with someone is a sense of heightened awareness where you are acutely aware of the way they're looking, the other person is looking and talking and the little subtle moves they make, and, and you're acutely aware of how much you enjoy their presence and, and uh, their touch. And, of course, sex is a part of that. The sexual attraction is a part of that. That's not the whole ball of wax. There's just a real keen sense that this person is, is um, somebody that you really, really want to be with, spend time with, and does that mean that that person is the one? No, that's another bargain we make with love. We say, well, if I'm in love with you, then that's God calling me to marry you or to commit to you. No, it isn't. Be, we can be in love with Mr. Wrong. How many of you, raise your hands, have been in love with Mr. or Mrs. Wrong uh, or Miss Wrong? You, it, being in love is not a statement that says this is the one. That's another bargain we make. We just we fall in love. We get attracted. We say, oh, okay, this is it. Let me get the U-Haul. Let's move in together. And that's it. That's all that, that we had to have. We didn't have to check out whether or not we were compatible. We didn't have to check out whether the person was healthy or whether or not we both could relate or whether or not the other person and uh, yourself had relationship skills, which are required for a relationship or a healthy relationship. So, we, you know, we, we bargain with that idea. Oh, I love you, so you're the one. Okay? That's just not true. But you can love someone in a different way than they love you. Um, you, we have different styles of loving. And so we can absolutely uh, really be in love and try to work that out in some way that makes us more compatible. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. This is Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. This show is brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in just a moment. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? 
Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? Should I stay where I am and wait for you? Or go to Grandma's house since it's closer? Should only pick a place for me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? How do we keep in touch with each other if the phones don't work? Should I be worried how we all get home? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And over the last uh, segment, we talked about love, the bargain for love. We were talking about how the different ways that we can say that love is something it isn't, and we were also talking about the way we can say that love is a a, a game we sort of play in our heads that if you love me, you will do X, Y, and Z, or if I love you, I should do X, Y, and Z. Uh, Another way that love is a problem, uh, a bargain, excuse me, is that if if we say that love and trust are the same, very many times when I'm providing therapy for people, I hear them say, well, I love them, so I guess I trust them. No, that's not how it works. Love and trust are not equal. Love is one thing. Trust is a whole other ballgame. You trust someone to the degree that, A, you have discovered who they are and you can, um, you can trust that they will actually do what they say they're going to do. That's a positive trust. You can also trust someone to do all kinds of uh, chaotic and dangerous and dysfunctional things. I remember a boss I had a long, long time ago who was extremely dysfunctional, and we were all, all of us employees were sitting around talking about him behind his back one day, and everybody was complaining about him, and, and somebody said, well, I don't trust him, and I said, oh, I do. And they all just kind of looked at me like they thought I was nuts, and they said, I said, well, I trust him to be conniving and controlling and critical, and, and I started naming all these things, and they all laughed, but it's the truth. I trusted him to do what he'd shown me he was going to do. And that's how we build trust. We trust based upon what we see. But in order to really trust, we have to really see. And in order to really see, we have got to stop bargaining with ourselves and and telling ourselves that things aren't like they appear to be. They generally are. So, okay, so we can fool ourselves with love in all kinds of ways. Let's move on from there. Uh, Triangulation is another way that we can bargain with primary relationships. We can get a third party involved. Now, a third party can be a job. It can be money, it can be our children, it can be all kinds of things. Triangulation says this, there's two of us and we need a third party to balance us. That's what triangulation says. 
and it's a, a way of saying um, that third party, if we can get that third party involved in some kind of way, then we'll be okay. When people have children because they need to improve their marriage, that's a bargain with triangulation. Uh, when people argue all the time about money or the children or parenting, that's a bargain with triangulation. We've, what we've done is we've pulled something into our relationship so we can fight about that so we don't have to look directly into each other's eyes and say, what's really wrong here between us? Okay? If you've got a third party in the dynamic, you need to set that party aside, whether it's a friend, uh, 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 an affair, a, uh, a child or children, money, sex, whatever. Put that aside. Look at your partner in the eyes and say, okay, what's really going on between you and me? Forget that other stuff. We're not even going to talk about all this stuff right now. And when I do that in therapy, I can get two, two people really engaging each other and trying to figure out what's been going on and what they've been hiding from and running from and that kind of thing. So triangulation is another bargain that says, if I get this third thing involved or third party involved, then our relationship will be stabilized. Cheating. Cheating or unfaithfulness, however you want to refer to that. I call it cheating because guess what? It is. It's cheating. Uh, it, cheating is a bargain. Cheating says, if I can go outside of my relationship and put my toe in the water of some other relationship and find out whether or not that one will be good, then I can later make a decision about which one I really want. Okay? It's sitting on the fence. It's a way of saying, I can figure this out later, Scarlett. I don't know whether any of you out there saw the movie Gone with the Wind, but one of uh, Scarlett O'Hara's, uh, the, one of the main characters in the story, was her famous statement was, I'll think about that tomorrow. And so in the South we often say, I'll think about that tomorrow, Scarlett. So, you know, when we're saying that about cheating, we're saying I don't really have to be true to myself or to my partnership. What I can do is go outside of that and see what else is out there while I keep this one hanging on, waiting for me to decide. And not only is that unfair to the partnership, but it's a bargain. It's a bargain that says, I don't really know myself, and I don't want to really have to know myself, and so I just, I, if I can just have this little other thing out here, I won't really have to confront any problems in my relationship, and I won't really have to confront any problems in my own life. Because you see, there's all kinds of reasons people have affairs. They don't just have affairs because their partner's not good in bed, okay? A lot of times people will say that, that, oh, well, well, if he was cheating, she must not have been good for her, or if she was cheating, he must not have been, or if they're gay, if she or she or he or he were cheating, it's because the other person wasn't good for them in some kind of way, particularly not good in bed. That's one of the, one of the most uh, famous ones we hear about. But that's just not true. It's it, one person again. Responsibility belongs to each person. Personal responsibility belongs to the individual. Does not belong to the other. So, if my partner is not happy in my relationship, that's not my fault. My partner needs to speak up about uh, his or her happiness and make it clear that they're not happy. And let's solve the problems. Okay. But. You, we can cheat for all kinds of reasons. People cheat because they don't have a career that they're really happy in. They could have a really good relationship at home, but they're not happy in their career, and so they don't really want to take responsibility for that. So 
They just go out and do something fun and exciting like have sex with somebody or several somebodies or get in another relationship. What they're really wanting is for their primary relationship to stay while they go figure this thing out so they're not going to tell them. So we've got lots of secrets going on, lots of lying going on, and all of those things are bargains. If I can keep this from you, you'll stay long enough for me to figure out what I'm going to do. And very often, that time never comes because I'm not really trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm just trying to play with it. So cheating is just that. It's cheating and it's a bargain. Uh, Building the bridges, that's another bargain that we have in relationship where one party in the relationship builds all the bridges between the two people. So if there's if one person in the relationship is cold and basically indifferent or you know pretty harsh or critical, then the other person does all the sweetness and all the romance and all the talking and all the trying to get you the other partner to talk and all of that stuff. They're doing all the work and the other partner's just sitting there. That's the bridge builder. And as I work with people in therapy, I try to help them to understand that if they will stop building all the bridges, they're going to find out what's really going on with their partner. So you hold back and you deny yourself the compulsion to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to talk for you. I'm going to say what your silence isn't saying. That's bridging the gap. And, and, and so if I just don't say anything, I'm just going to wait and see what you'll do. Or if you're cold and indifferent, I'm going to wait and see what you're going to bring to the table. I'm not going to bridge all the gaps. And when I do that, I find out what my relationship is really made up of. And that's what we don't want to do when we're bargaining. We don't want to find out what our relationship is really made up of. We want to, we want to pretend to ourselves that things are okay when they're not. So we bridge all the gaps. And what I encourage people to do is, is to stop bargaining. Authenticity is the end of all bargains. And to become more real, to say more of what you what you really want in that relationship, and to br- and to allow the other person to bring to that relationship whatever they're going to bring. They're either going to bring something really cool and wonderful, or they're not. And you're going to get to figure out what you want to do with that. And that is what we don't want to do. So bargaining keeps us from doing that. We can bargain with sex. You know, I hear so many people say this, and I know you've heard people say this too. The best part of our relationship was the sex. Uh, I hung in there because we had great sex. Oh, but they're so hot in bed. This is great sex. We're just going to be great. And all the other things in the relationship are falling apart, but they have great sex, so that's the reason to stay. Well, you know, great sex can be had with lots of people, and it's not. It, it, uh, sex is a skill. The act of performance of sex is a skill we learn, and we can teach each other, and actually that's what an intimate relationship is in part all about. We need to be teaching each other what we need sexually as well as every other way or want. So, so we, when we bargain with sex, what we're saying is, if I have great sex, then I shouldn't leave this relationship. If I have great sex, then I don't even have to look at any other thing in this relationship. And that's not true. I have lots of people coming to therapy who are absolutely miserable in every other way, but they, oh, yeah, we have great sex. Well, I'm glad for you, but don't you want something more than that? So it's, it's all about really, again, not bargaining, really asking yourself, what do you want in a relationship and how can you get it? First of all, you can't get it with somebody who's not willing to give it. So that's first. And that bargain, that reality is hard for us to look at, so we'd rather bargain with it. So, and, and so sex is not the primary reason for getting in a relationship. We get confused about that today. It's important to really notice what's going on in all aspects of that dynamic. 
And we're going to talk just a little bit more about primary relationship and bargaining right after the break. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Fiction seeping into reality. Reality transfigured by fiction. A monument of wonders. Conspire with host and creator Roy Dean Doty as he shares readings, commentary, music, and interviews on the multimedia epic that'll change the way you think forever. A Monument of Wonders, a place where time is a honeycomb, where language spawns the fantastic, where consciousness is exploded, one inspired mind at a time. Escape the stricture of the soundbite film clip world. Enter a Monument of Wonders. Wonder is miracle. Wonder is life. Wonder is power. Fridays, 11 a.m. to noon Pacific Time on the 7th Wave. Are you in? Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. This is our last segment, and we're going to try to briefly cover the last several things that we bargain with in primary relationship. Um, and so I want to uh, be clear that we're going to be talking specifically about the, those specific ways that we bargain. Remember that bargaining is if I, then you'll, or if you, then I'll. That's a bargain. And it's meant to keep us from being authentic rather than help us become more authentic. Uh, we talked about sex as a bargain. We're going to move on. Sacrifice is another bargain we make. We give up something we want, something we really want. Like I give up a job to stay home and have the kids. I really wanted that job, and I really didn't want to leave it, but I'm going to stay home and take care of the kids because that's what I should do. 
And for the rest of the kids' lives, they're going to hear about that. And my husband or my wife or my whoever is going to hear about that as well. Um, and you see, that's not really sacrifice. Sacrifice is a game we play in our heads that says, if I give this to you, then you'll give something back. And that's what we say. Well, to our, I mean, I have parents come in all the time that say, well, I gave up so-and-so and so-and-so to have my kids, and they just haven't given up anything from me. Well, first, they didn't know you gave up anything. And second, they're not supposed to give something back. Sacrifice, if, if sacrifice is li- real, which it never is, if sacrifice were real, it would not require somebody to give something back. That's not a sacrifice. That's a trade. You're, you're saying, I'll trade you. You give me something back, and I'll give up something I really love. And it's a game we play. It's a game with shoulds. It's a game with guilt. It's a game with fear. And we don't have to keep playing that game. What I say is the best gift we can give to our, our primary significant other and to our children is to be real. Okay, moving on from that, forgiveness can also be a bargain. Now, forgiveness can be, isn't always, but can be another F word. Forgiveness can be real confusing, and I'm going to spend just a minute talking about it. Um, Forgiveness uh, is one of those words that carries with it a lot of um, baggage. It it tends to be something that we we want to uh, give ourselves the power to give someone else atonement. We want them to be clean or cleansed of their quote-unquote sins. But yet, there's another part of us that's like, I don't want them to be clean and cleansed. I want them to be punished. So we have an internal conflict about forgiveness. But forgiveness isn't about cleansing someone else. That's a, a bargain. We can't cleanse someone else. We have no power to do that. What we can do is recognize, see clearly what someone else has done and accept embrace the fact that in spite of the fact that they have done that horrible thing, we uh, got some kind of gift out of it. Most often, the gift we got out of it is the gift of ourselves, and there is no greater gift than that. So that's what we can do with Real legitimate forgiveness is a form of acceptance that takes us from the pain that we have to actually look at and feel and through the idea that somebody else created this pain, and recognize that from that pain, from that dark night of the soul that uh, was created by this particular event or person, we have brought ourselves out of the dragon's mouth and become whole. And, and that, once we get to there, then we can accept. That's, what, that's the only thing that forgiveness is about. But lots of times people play games with forgiveness. A partner will cheat on them, and they'll say, well, I forgave him. What they really mean is, I'm not leaving, I'm too scared to leave, so I'm going to tell them that I forgave them so that I can stay and just wait and figure out what I'm going to do. Not only is that a lie, but it's a bargain. If I tell you I forgive you, then you won't go off with that other woman or that other man that I don't really want you to go off with. I want you to stay here with me. It's a bargain. And uh, sometimes forgiveness is a bargain in that we say, well, I forgave you, you're supposed to forgive me. That's not forgiveness. Acceptance is forgiveness, okay? Acceptance, and it's a journey, and it's not an easy one. So, and we can talk some more about forgiveness on another, another show. We can also uh, use possessiveness as a bargain. We think that we uh, marry someone or commit to someone, and therefore they belong to us, and they should behave certain ways, think certain ways, act certain ways, feel certain ways, and if they don't, then they're not really as committed to us as we are to them. 
and there's the if, and there's the then. If they don't, then they're not really committed. It isn't true. It's an illusion. Possessiveness is not love. I'll say it again. Possessiveness is not love. Uh, A jealousy is not a sign of love. Control over another person is not love. Those things are oxymorons. All right? And that's as far as I'm going to go with that. Abuse. There's all kinds of abuse. All kinds of abuse. Mental, emotional, verbal, sexual, physical. Um, There's all kinds of abuse. But abuse in and of itself is a bargain. It says, if I can hurt you, then A, I own you, B, I control you, C, I I am powerful. I identify myself with power in that way. Abuse is a bargain. Uh, Intimacy can also be a bargain. Uh, Intimacy that says, um, I am going to be in relationship with you, but I'm not really going to get to know you, and I'm not really going to let you get to know me. We may even have great sex, but we're not going to really get to know each other, and therefore I'm not going to really have to really be vulnerable and honest with who you are. So um, sometimes people have a fear of intimacy, a deep-seated fear of intimacy in which they may have lots of different partners or they may have one partner but not really be able to stay in it with them. They may cheat a lot or they may just not really open up and let the partner know them. And so intimacy has become sort of a bargaining chip that says, I won't, I won't um, really open up and let you know me. Uh, and in, in that way, I'm going to stay safe. If I keep myself from being known, then I am safe. And if I keep myself from being known, then you can't control me. Those are bargains, and it's a bargain with intimacy. So you see, in, in lots of ways, some of the things that we consider to be valuable in a relationship, such as love, such as sex, such as intimacy, uh, such as even forgiveness and, and that big um, a word that we hold that holds so much power, sacrifice. All of those things can be used as bargains. The bargain that says, "If I, then you." But here's the deal: authenticity is the end of all bargains. When I am real, I get to know what I want and what I need, and I get to take responsibility for going after that. I get to say, "I'm in a relationship with someone who is my partner, who is my ally." but who does not own me and, and someone who I do not own as well. Uh, I'm in a partnership with someone who I share things with, intimate things with, in the most healthy dynamic. And that person holds those intimate pieces of information about me sacred. And that person responds to me as if what I have to say is valid and valuable. However, if I'm not in that kind of relationship, then I'm responsible for my own happiness, and I have to decide what I'm going to do with that. Either I'm going to work with my partner to improve that relationship, meaning both of us have to work equally, or I might have to move out of that relationship. But instead of doing that so many times, we bargain for years in all kinds of ways, telling ourselves all kinds of lies, hoping that we can make something work it's just not working. You know, I have uh, known people and you've known people that are working and working and working and working and working on their relationship. It's not supposed to be that hard. 
really, it's not supposed to be that hard. When you have a good, healthy relationship, it's not supposed to be that hard. Yes, there will be some work, but the work will be mostly really recognizing and owning personal responsibility and asking for what you need and and talking about those things and, and walking together and being present with the other person. There won't be work such as I have to bend myself into a pretzel to stay into this in, in this relationship. But so many people are out there doing that and they're losing time, they're losing energy, they're making themselves unhealthy, they're they're living with anxiety, attempting to accept the unacceptable and tolerate the intolerable by bargaining. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. You can become authentic. And I would encourage each of you to really consider this whole idea of authenticity. Get the book, Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, and read the chapters on relationship and bargaining and, and see whether or not you can create an authentic life for yourself. And this is Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We'll be back again next week. Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.